All right, because three is a crowd, I'm here today, once again, from the desert, myself, Kelly, in Portland. How's it going today, Kelly? Uh, I'm, I'm well, I'm not in a desert. You are a desert person now. Where are you in the desert? Um, I am in the Badlands, but not the South Dakota Badlands. Oregon. Oregon has the Badland, Badlands. I left um, I Crooked River and all the sorrow of throwing children into over bridges. Lesbians, um, don't throw your children down don't throw <laughs> or whatever I said, <laughs> off of bridges. It's it's a good piece of advice. And if you're listening and you needed to hear that, you're welcome. <laughs> you can turn it off. But this is, uh, yeah, um, how is it going over there in Portland land? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just like work and stuff and stupid. I went to a UFO festival in McMinnville yesterday, like you do. I saw a parade of people that were like loosely theme- themed alien stuff, but it was cute. There was definitely some men in black people. There mm. was a whole thing. Three separate marching bands, one of which was very small, but they put a drum kit and the Barry Sacks and the sousaphone in the back of a truck. And I was like, Whoa. man, the luxury. That's the way to do it. I had to carry a goddamn sousaphone for 1.2 miles. I mean, granted, they let me use the fiberglass one for that one, but damn. Not fun. Not fun to be in a parade with the sousaphone. So when I saw that truck, jealous. I was jealous for sure. You want to go uh, back in time and redo it. Yes, I do. And I want to not have to walk in the parade with my tuba. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, work is stupid. And, you know, just another day doing the same thing until you die. And if you don't think about it, Whoa. if you keep yourself busy, then you don't have to let the existential you know, dread and bad feelings in. So anyway, yeah, desert. That's great. Sounds great. Let's go to the desert. And there's well, a lunar eclipse tonight. I know we're mm. placing us in time and you're going to be able to see it hopefully because you're in the desert, but probably not because it's raining. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Um, uh, everything you just said actually like uh, is like a part of this song. So I think that the existential dread and uh, all of that kind of stuff feeds right into what we're doing today. So we're not going to talk about lunar eclipses. I'll let, I'll let the listeners know if I see it next week but uh we are not here today to talk about that we're here today to, t- to talk oh my god saw a car and i got distracted we are here today to talk about bob dylan i've been listening to bob dylan for most of my life kelly has heard this is appropriate as well roughly the same number of songs as the year of the sixth recorded instance of Haley's comet traipsing across the earth Ooh. and this week we listened to the great 1974 1975 simple twist Damn. They sat together in the park As the evening sky grew dark She looked at him and he felt a spark Tingle to his bones Twas then he felt alone And wished that he'd gone straight And watched out for a simple twist of fate I don't think so. I don't know. I don't, aren't they all the same? Who knows? This is not, we're not talking about heaven's door. We're not talking about heaven's gate. We are here today to talk about simple twist of fate, 1974 recorded 1975 blood on the tracks. We listened to a ton of versions of the song. We'll get into exactly what those versions are. Kelly is going to rank them on the fly. Tell us what her favorite ones are. 
And but before we get there, um, just in terms of the song itself, I know you learned how to play it and everything. What is your initial thought on our fourth Blood on the Tracks song? You have said that you are afraid of getting Blood on the Tracks. I think that you don't know why you're afraid of it. Probably because you don't want to be disappointed or something. But you might not remember what the other ones are. But how does this um, accord to Blood on the Tracks? And did you like the song to begin with? Yeah, I definitely don't remember what the other ones were. But this song is excellent. It's great. It's a really, really good song can't be mad at it so maybe blood on the tracks is good i definitely don't remember what the other ones were so can't confirm uh i think you'll know one of them our third episode tangled this... up in blue this oh hey that's on this album okay. it does and it follow the next song is simple twist of fate so imagine a one-two punch like that um shelter from the storm our 65th episode and uh lily rosemary and the jack of hearts one of my favorite okay. episodes we ever did that was like two hours long that was our 93rd episode. Oh, yeah. So yeah, you can go listen to those ones. I highly recommend it. I think that those, outside of Tangled Up in Blue being the third episode we ever did, I think that all of those stand up as some of our better episodes. Um, I also love this song, obviously. I think a lot of people do. Um, I think it's one of those songs that I know about Blood on the Tracks when I was a kid. I know it's a breakup album, divorce album, blah, blah, blah. And I remember when I was going off to college and I, like, me and my high school girlfriend were obviously breaking up because she was still in high school. She was a junior. And then like the friends that I was hanging out with over the summer, I remember putting this on because I thought it would make me feel sad. Like I would feel something, not this song in particular, but just like the whole album. And I remember how like, how stupid that is because it did not make me feel sad at all. But then later (laughs) on, the record sort of hits you when you start to live life a little bit more. And I think this is one of those songs in particular where it's like, I think everybody can kind of like in one way or another put themselves into the shoes of the characters in this, but it's like time is really the enemy here. And because time is played with entangled up in blue and this song in particular, it's, it's, it's apropos because when you come back to this song at some point, you're going to feel it, I think. And then you can listen to the song. as just a fun romp because it's a wonderful, it's, it's, you know, it's not very sad. It's very fun, very fast gets in, gets out great harmonica. But you don't have to feel sad until that one day where you're like, oh, my God, I miss this person or this feeling. And it's Mm. there for you to feel. So you don't want to feel that, Kelly. I know. Distract, distract, distract. But one day you're going to be listening to Blood on the Tracks and you're going to just start crying. And it's going to it's going to be great. Okay, fun. Something to look forward to. Something to look forward to. Everybody out there, (laughs) get ready. Get your tissues ready. This song was recorded in five takes on September 16th, 1974. And one take on September 19th, 1974. That's the one on Blood on the Tracks. Um, The first two takes on the 16th were just Bob. And then three takes with the band, which we do hear some of that um, in the versions we listen to, where we have Charles Brown, Barry Cornfield, and Eric Weisberg on guitar, Thomas McFall on keyboards, Tony Brown, who plays bass throughout and is on the bass on the solo one on the record, and Richard Crooks on drums. Uh, The song was originally called Snowbound. Because, of course, uh, sure. the song was leaned into pretty heavy with Heath Ledger as his marriage was falling apart as Bob Dylan in I'm Not There. So you can listen to okay. Jeff Tweedy or probably Bob sing it. But Jeff Tweedy is the one that covers it for the soundtrack. Uh, Rolling Stone ranked this uh, in 2020. They ranked the top 100 Dylan songs. And this was number 15. Very high praise indeed. He's played the song 805 times total. That number is almost... Um, assuredly wrong because he is currently playing it and more than likely Kelly you and I have already heard him and maybe he played Simple Twist of Fate and wouldn't that be some great details because 
in this world, Kelly, we have already seen Bob Dylan <laughs> at Arlene right. Schnitzer in Portland, Oregon. So insert if it's have. great now. Yeah. Um, otherwise, he's played it 805 times from November 8th, 1975 to November 2nd, 2021. The Elephant in the Room. I'm sure we're all ready for this one. This song was subtitled in the notebook, Fourth Street Affair. Fourth Street, of course, is where a one Susie Rotolo lived at. Was he thinking oh, about shit. Susie Rotolo? Was he thinking about Suze? Or was he thinking about Sarah? Obviously, Sarah is the one that everybody you know equates this with. But is it? Um, we know that through a mutual friend at this point, Bob and, and Suze, Susie were not talking. Uh, he did not have her, her number anymore. She is married at this point. And through mutual friends, he actually called out and tried to get in contact with her around this time. And they were like, Bob, this is a bad look. We're not going to do that. Stop calling. Uh, which Good friends. Good friends there to, to stop yeah. that. Um, but it's hard. I mean, this podcast has a very firm stance that songs are never about one person. And I think this song in particular is like too much of an amalgam of like too many ideas, too many people's. I don't know if I really totally buy it. You know, although in London in 1981, Bob Dylan sings get ready for this i remember Susie and the way she talked in the lyrics so wow. if there is any wow. smoking gun it is that that that's what yeah. we're talking about here but again it's you don't want to be too broad of a, a brush here um also the line at the very end where she was born in spring but i was born too late great line all-timer but when was Suze Susie born Susie was born on november 20th 1943 Sarah was born October of 1939. Joan Baez, we're just going to throw her in here, was born on January yeah, yeah. 9th, 1941. Bob Dylan is the only spring boy. May 24th. Happy birthday, Bob. <laughs> we, we saw you at the Arlene Schnitzer. You were fucking fantastic. Or you were bad. We don't know. Happy birthday. But he's the only spring boy. So at the end, is he singing almost about himself? I mean, we're, we're kind of playing with it. Later, he'll change the, the he and she's all around. So maybe he's right, yeah. almost writing about himself before, or he's just singing about somebody and spring is a nicer time than winter. It just sounded good. Just I sounded think sometimes good. it just sounds good. It's just a good line. It sounded good in the song. Yeah. So we kept it there. Exactly. Exactly. So that's a little bit of context. We'll talk more about Susie and them as we go along. Um, any thoughts on, on, on that? Did you think about them at all when you were listening to this or? I mean, I, it's definitely about a relationship, right? And those are the ones that we talk about that are always around, orbiting around Bob Dylan anything. I mean, it's definitely, anytime Joan covers one of his songs, I'm like, God, I really hope that you're not like just this helpless thing. Like, he wrote this about me and now I'm singing it. Isn't it great? But like, that's so reductive and shitty to say about Joan Baez. She's her whole other person and her like... It's like, because this is, you know, a Bob Dylan podcast, we're not talking about Joan Baez, not really, or at least not yet. I mean, at some point we definitely will, yeah. I would imagine. But I, so it's super reductive to say that. But I do have this like knee jerk cringy also because I think she makes the songs worse. I'm sorry. So many of her versions I just do not like. So I just like I, I hope that she's not just like helplessly pining <laughs> and covering these songs. Um, What is it? I'm sorry. Joan says. The bells refused to ring. He was born in spring. Like talking about, I still believe he was my twin instead of, but I lost the ring. We'll talk about what that means. But she's saying, but the bells refused to ring. I mean, that 
is Joan, stop giving it away. I know that you and Bob are not together. Why do you why do you do this to yourself? I don't know, man. <sighs> it's so bad. So we love Joan. Oh god, it's starting to rain. Hang on one second. Gotta put up my window. No. Is this good content? <laughs> the perils of recording in a car. Oh my god. It's like the wind is just it's windy out. Oh no, that's the back windows. But it's too hot. <laughs> Oh my god, okay. Is that good? Everything's off. Okay. Yeah, as long as you're not getting on my computer. It can rain on my back all day. That's fine. Okay. Joan Baez. <laughs> so we yeah, we listen to Joan and uh I, let's let's do this. So we have two cover versions in particular I want to keep in mind as we talk about Bob's. We have of course Joan Baez, who is just gonna be on here because we have to do it. Um I didn't do Jeff Tweedy, I didn't do Jerry Garcia, I didn't do Trey Anastasio. The song is basically a jam band song now. I took all that shit off. But Tim Curry, we put Tim oh. Curry on here. I got to say, Amazing. what a what a breath of fresh air. Um, he turns that into a, a really, really lovely version. That like roaming bass line throughout the whole thing or whatever, the piano, whatever's doing, whatever's the beat that we're doing. Fucking amazing stuff. So keeping those two songs in mind, and we'll talk about them at length later uh, in the playlist, at least. The constraints of this podcast are real. I'm in a desert. It's raining. Actively raining. Yep. And there's <laughs> yep, wind. There are uh, geckos running across trying to oh, find cover. Oh, geckos cute. I know. They just dive into the sand when I get close to them. Rude. It's oh. not like Disney at all. <laughs> uh, so I can't, because I don't have the internet and I refuse to pay for it. See last week for um, the rant on that. Um, I'm not putting any songs on. So we're kind of at the whim of, of YouTube or at the whim of uh, you know, Spotify and stuff. So we're listening to, uh, the versions that we're going to listen to are blood on the tracks. Obviously we're going to listen to two versions off of more blood, more tracks, volume 14. Uh, I would have loved to listen to them all, but we'll save that for some other day. Uh, we listen to the first take and take three a, so we get one that's a guitar acoustic and another with the band. So you got to get a little bit of flavor for that. Uh, we also, um, did one, uh, the world according the world of John Hammond, a special from 1975 on PBS with our favorite Scarlet Rivera. Uh, we did two from Rolling Thunder, one at the Mahjong Parlor in Falmouth, uh, Massachusetts, with just Bob and a drummer, uh, Luther Ricks on drums, and, of course, um, a great live performance at the Harvard Square Theater uh, in November 1975. We did one at Budokan, and those that's all. We could have done 1984. We could have done uh, things from the rundown era in the late 70s. Uh, but I don't care. We could have done one with uh, the Grateful Dead bringing it back. Don't care. Could have done one uh, recently. Don't care because we went to see Bob Dylan. He was great. We saw him. It all happened. So um, we don't need to have one from 2019 or something like that. So with all of that in mind and a few of the more Blood, More tracks, you know, not on here. Uh, Kelly, did you have any favorites? Did you have any standouts? Anything like that? I mean, I, I like to use the album version as the baseline, right? Because like... That should be the standard, and then anything else is a deviation for better or worse. Um, although you're saying that the one, the Take 3A or whatever, the More Blood, More Tracks one, that was recorded during the same time? Th same those are both recorded on the 16th of September, and the 19th is oh. the one on Blood on the Track. So three days later, he came back and did that just with Tony Brown. Gotcha. That session on the 19th was just Bob and Tony. So it's just Tony playing the bass for those songs, and I think there's a few others on the record from that time. So you can almost think of the 16th as like kind of a work through of the songs because he already knows pretty much the 10 songs that he's going to do up to me is really the one track that's uh, cast aside in the sessions because it's 
we've talked about that before. We've done that song as well. Um, but that's the only one that doesn't make it on. <laughs> if you say so. Oh, my God. I do not know. This. Okay. Uh, All right, great. In the 60s, somewhere in the 50s or 60s. Yeah, a long time ago. Sure. <laughs> sure. Oh, man. Anyway, uh, I really do like the the version that's on the album. Uh, I think it's perfect with just the guitar and the bass and a little bit of harmonica. I think it's really lovely. Um, and then as far as other versions, it seems like the, during the Rolling Thunder, he changes the lyrics somewhat significantly. And those those changes seem to stick. So there's like a little bit of changes here and there. But that like seems to be the new standard. It's like he just supplants the album version for that version. Um, and I think that's really good, too. I think the the regular real the real quote unquote yeah. on the bootleg series rolling thunder one is really good the one that's just him in, on the piano that you can barely hear in the drums is like bonkers but i remember from when we watched the movie the rolling thunder movie there's a whole scene of them in that place i was like this is so like it makes it so good with the image like having the image of them just weirdly in a fucking restaurant playing it's like very hedwig and the angry inch is just perfect so i like i like the like tableau of that i don't like the version because it's basically acapella you can't really hear the piano at all and i don't love the drums i think the drums don't belong in this song except for the budokan version i thought the budokan version was great it's really really cinematic it's like so fun and i like i know you're supposed to hate budokan Mm -hmm. i'm not allowed to like anything (laughs) from it but i i really enjoyed it i even like the like the very schlocky the sax played oh, yeah. and he plays the Come sax on. i like when he's doing the ticking clock and he hits the mm-hmm. rims on the, the snare i think it's really nice yeah. saxophone someplace played she was walking on by the arcade she heard the melody rise and fade the sun was coming up she dropped the coin into the cup of a blind man at the gate and forgot about a simple twist of fate um, so I don't know. I think this, the album version is my favorite, probably Rolling Thunder second favorite, um, just for the, the audio quality wise. And then the, yeah, the John Hammond one, the PBS one or whatever. I, I guess I didn't really have anything to say about that. That one was, um, just, I, I mean, I like Scarlet. Scarlet's that's great. great. Yeah. Rob Stoner really is on bass and Howie White are on, is on drums. Yeah. And that's another one where you can watch the, he, he does Hurricane and Oh Sister and you can watch it. It's really great. I mean, the perform- performance is pretty great very intimate everyone's sitting down he's just performing it um so again it's that tableau thing where we don't have a i'm sure it's at the bob dylan center now but like we don't have the recording we just have the audio for it so you kind of i imagine it when i hear it because i can see them on the stage on that show doing it because i know it but yeah you're right it's kind of without scarlet there and in fact if i didn't tell you that you know, I'm sure you would have picked up on Scarlet because she's pretty prominent, but otherwise right, it's pretty much kind of know. the song, you know, except for it does do the final verse change, which he brought to Rolling Thunder after that as well. So that's an interesting thing as well. Yeah, the um, I do like Scarlet being there because I like her violin, but I don't like the drums, man. I think the drums really take away from it. He woke up as she was gone. He didn't see nothing but the dawn. He got out of bed and put his clothes back on Pushed back the blind Found a note she'd left behind To which he just could not relate All about the, yeah, it's a little more plaintive, it's a little more sad um, I kind of, I, I like the John Hammond one because it's slower It's a little more chill um, In terms of like the other takes though I like Bob and just a guitar Like that's really compelling I love Tony Brown though so I think I'm with you that the that the 
the one on the album is the best one because the bass does add something to the record yeah. and to those songs uh, explicitly. But I do like 3A. I like the idea of... You're, I think you're right that drums aren't supposed to be in the song. He did not take this to Minnesota to to play with the band, um, which is like Tangled Up in mm-hmm. Blue, um, Idiot Wind. Those are like full band accompaniments. We... Uh, he didn't bring this song. So this song was always in a very acoustic, a very chill vibe. And because of that, it's really cool to hear the drums on there. That was something that I didn't really know was on there until more blood, more tracks. Um, so I kind of like it. I kind of like the idea. And that's why I think I really love the Mahjong version, but I, I think you're right. It's the tableau. That's what I love is that I can see everybody mm-hmm. being like, Hmm, what the fuck is this? And just fucking, they're just so non Like they don't give a shit that it's Bob Dylan. That's like my favorite thing ever. It's, it's they the could best. not care less. It's the best. It's so good. And Bob, unfortunately like flubs the lines. So it does become like a non canon version in my head. You know, it's like, I mean, I love it. I'm, I have no problems with like not messing up a line or something, but it does. It's like, he got so close to like a really great version. And then he kind of fucked it up and that's fine because it was fun. And I'm glad we have it on video. Um, but yeah, another thing that like, if we just didn't know much about it, I think we, we would just be very confused by its existence yeah. if we just had it. So yeah, in terms of my favorite, I think you got to give it to blood on the tracks because it's just so good. But honestly, that Mahjong one, I just do have a soft spot for it. Uh, there's nothing like it with him just playing drums, just Bob with drums and piano. Like, no, that does not <laughs> so happen. weird. Just piano. Sure. But no drums. Uh, and the world tour one, I just, I'm, I'm into like the saxophone and the sax. Great song for that. Um, he could have changed it to clarinet. He could have changed it to flute. He could have done anything and it would have worked. Right. He knew what he was doing, uh, but it's corny as hell. And it's the only time that I really like unconditionally, <laughs> I, I, I cannot unconditionally love 1977, 78. I want to, but I can't. Um, I'm, I'm working on it, everybody. I'm sorry. We also had some covers before you play the song for me. Um, I, I left off, you know, Jeff Tweedy, who was on the I'm Not There uh, soundtrack, Levon Helm, uh, the format. There was like a pop punk compilation a couple um, a couple years ago, quote unquote, almost 20 years ago uh, with like bands doing Bob Dylan. And the format was a pop punk band back in the day. They do a version of this. That's pretty good, actually. Um, Grateful Dead, boring, whatever. But Tim Curry, we have Tim Curry. and We have Joan Baez on the playlist. Did that help you at all in terms of this song? I mean, he did a great job. Uh, it's, yeah, the Tim Curry song is excellent. I mean, he's so dramatic and over the top, and I think this song can really lend itself to that easily just because, you know, any kind of love song is kind of rife for the picking for that kind of stuff. Um, and, and he changed it to, like, specifically the woman's perspective only, right? Like, I don't think that he ever inhabits the like the male narrator at all. I think he's only taking it from the woman's perspective. I will say I was pretty confused at the beginning of it. He's talking to the crowd and he's like, son of Sam, something or other. I'm like, what the fuck? And then so briefly, especially towards the end when she's like walking away from the hotel room and he's like, you know, how long will you have to wait to run into her again or whatever? Uh, I was like, is this about... Are we son of salmon Mor- right now? Are we like, is this a murder bob song? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, Tim, what are you doing? That but did yeah, not it was it was lovely. Occur to me. I don't know if it was, but it was I just like, why did he say that at the beginning? Um but he does the thing that's very Bob Dylan-esque, which is he really plays with the length of the lines and he says stuff kind of like offbeat a lot of it, but it, it does come around and, and works. And I think you're right because like, you know, the baseline just keeps it all together. So you can always come back to it. But I thought that was very Dylan-esque of him to do. I agree. Uh, and then, 
Jones version was terrible. Uh, it's like I, it, I think that this is what would happen if the band did a version of this song, mm. and I mean mm. that in the worst way. I like the band. Mm. I like some of the band's sure. song. I do not want this song bandified at all because it just doesn't make any sense. I think with the um, the Scarlet version, we missed an opportunity to make a real like tearjerker because that's what violins are for, man. You take those strings and you do it in the right way, and that song you're just bawling when you listen to it. But they kind of didn't do it here. She has strings and they're terrible, right? Doesn't she put strings? She loves a string moment. Yeah, like for the sax part where the you know the mentions the su- the sax, we got a string line. I'm like, no, go for it or leave it alone. Come on, lady, no half measures. You're doing everything wrong. I hate every decision that you made with this song. Stop it, Joan. So that's my feeling on that. <laughs> She didn't care Pushed the window Open wide She felt that Emptiness inside To what she just Could not relate That's why I like the the 3A version, I, I love the shimmery guitar. It's like a cool vibrato, like with a phaser effect on it. It's very like 10cc, that guitar sound. Um, but I don't think this song needs more instrumentation. It, it really doesn't. And if you're going to go there, I want the Budokan version where it's so over the top. Like, do we have a full fucking symphony for this? What are we doing? There's like, a lot of people there. That I'm into. Yeah. So many people. <laughs> so I was like, if you're going to do it, do it. And yeah. yeah, Half Measure Jones not getting it done for me. That's fair. That's fair. Before we get into the lyrics itself, I want to talk about the music itself. So you learned how to play the song. Uh, I don't know if like based on all the covers and all the versions we heard, if there's any um, any insights into uh, somebody picking up the guitar and learning to play. I I didn't go into all the other versions. I just looked at the Blow the Tracks one because although the um, Rolling Thunder one is probably the easiest one to play, but I didn't learn to play that one. Anyway, so I got to learn a cool new thing. You know, you can tune your guitar any way. The standard tuning is E-A-D-G-B-E, right? That's the standard tuning. But this song is in open E tuning, which means like all the strings form an E chord, right? So just open strings, if you just play the... That's an E chord because of the way that it's tuned because you tune the A up to a B and you tune the D up to a G sharp, which is so all the notes are the chords of the E chord, E major chord, right? Anyway, I don't know what key this song is in because it's fucking weird, but it's awesome. It's 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 only like four or five chord shapes. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to try to play. The strumming pattern is really interesting. Uh, I couldn't really pick it out, which is, it's just the guitar and the harmonica sometimes in the bass. So I don't know why I had such a hard time hearing it, but I could not figure it out. So it I'll could be that best. you spent 10 minutes before the podcast learning it. I will have you know that still kind of drunk, drunk coming back from the UFO convention yesterday, I tried to play it then. So I've been kind of playing it for maybe an hour. So there you go. <laughs> I like that you called it a UFO convention now. Well, that's what it is. I mean, I didn't go to the convention part. I just went to the. Oh, there is a convention vendors, part. But yeah, it's at a hotel. Yeah. Oh, it's like a proper a. convention where they have speakers. You can pay $130 and see all of the speakers for did, the whole weekend. Did they? Did, did Kendra? No, 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 no. No one oh. went to go see anybody speak. Okay. But I am so curious about it. I do kind of want to pay for just one because you can pay for the talks individually for like 20 bucks or whatever. Mm. But Or you can get the whole package. Not only do you get to listen to every talk for the 130 bucks, you also get to have brunch with some of the speakers. So, you know, Fuck yeah. worth it. 
But uh, I do one one of these days, one of these years, I guess. This is the 22nd annual McMinnville UFO convention. Um, it's called it's called um, YouTube. You're taking free. money from the good people of McMinnville. <laughs> OK. All right. Let's see. So I'm going to try this drumming pattern's hard. And then if I can't get it, I'll just make up my own. Yeah, that right. Yeah. That was incredible. I would never stop playing that. If I knew how to play that, I would never stop playing that. (laughs) It's pretty fun. It's just so wistful and longy and beautiful. Yeah, it's really nice. Oh, that A chord's hard. And then this is that A minor sound. So good. Mm. So pretty. It's like it's really fun because there are so many versions you can really do a lot with this i was i couldn't really peg this song because it was an interesting like not only do we have this tuning that i've never played before right but we also have this kind of i don't know anything about poetry i know nothing about poetry but i feel like i know this one thing about sometimes how things are written where it's like the line breakdown so it's like one it's like the rhyming pair rhyming pair and then a breakout, and then back to the rhyming pair. That's what this song does. And musically, he uh, follows that completely, which is really interesting. Because uh, I don't know that I've ever noticed. I'm sure I'm sure he's done it before. He's like all over the place when it comes to actually getting the words out. So I guess I, maybe I just haven't clued into it. Maybe it's just like this coalescence of the way that the music was and, and the words of this particular song. But it, I th- in pop music, you want your body is just like keyed into something predictable, right? We want something in four, four time and we want it to be line and then rhyming line and then line and then rhyming line and then rhyme. And and so this is like, this breaks that format where it's like in fives. I don't know how else to describe it, but where it breaks out into that a minor chord and then has to come back and catch up. It feels incomplete or wrong in a way that's really makes it interesting because it's just those five lines and that, that chord progression, it's, it's not it, it's that same thing over and over again. It's just copy and pasted throughout the whole thing. But it has such movement. And I think it's because it doesn't have that standard phrasing, musical phrasing, that it breaks out of it a little bit to come back in that it keeps it interesting. Like you don't really clock that it's the same thing six times. Um, and I just thought that was so neat. And I think that's why I had a hard time with the strum pattern. But then I was like, you can do anything with this. You can really make condense it or expand it. And like, no wonder Tim Curry did what he did with it because you really can. And the fact that the, the, while they're not like different, it's still very much the song, all the version that he does. You can musically do so. I mean, the fucking piano and drums thing. That's so funny. It's like, you would think this song, 
would be really pigeonholed to being a love song and it's got to have this one saccharine vibe in that a minor chord that's clearly where it's supposed to come in and i just it was anticipating based on the rules of music bob dylan to it to like to keep going down right we even had that like that little stair step thing where it's just like the e in there go down like that oh god right we're going down and then to cap that off in the next like couple lines with that e minor chord it's like oh there we go that's the wrong chord it's like we're supposed to be getting sad but then he does it then he turns it back around and it's just like i don't know very interesting i was i was really delighted about this song musically it just kind of had like layers that i kept i don't know it's good on this level surface level but then it's also good on like other levels you know what i mean (laughs) yeah i mean that's what you want i mean that's great i mean i as not a person who musically minds that i mean it definitely sounds perfect to me but that's an interesting concept that it sort of lines up to it yeah i don't really know mm-hmm. what that means but there's probably words I, that. I can hear it i can yeah. i can maybe hear it i suppose um incredible well thank you for that um yeah hopefully definitely that shows i don't know <laughs> yeah no no that was that was excellent yeah and i think that the the lyrics i guess would be the, the major part you know it's like the way that he can fit words and to make it interesting. Cause when you do try to, if you're trying to stick on um, a strum pattern or something, you can really pigeonhole your own lyrics into making it kind of a fluff piece, right? Because some words are just going to be lame and they're not going to work. And I don't think the song is perfect. I think there are some clunkers in there. And especially when he starts rewriting stuff, it can be a little bit clunky at times, but for what he's working with, with very short words, very short syllables, it it's really good very evocative so let's get into it if if you're ready for that um so looking at all of the songs i also want to look at lyrical differences so i'll kind of point them out as we go along and we can just kind of talk about it so the very first verse is it really has not been changed at all in every single version of it beyond changing the she and the he which bob will do and a lot of people obviously tim curry and stuff do um I found that to be very interesting. Uh, they sat together in the park and we go again, like Tangled Up in Blue, we're doing a third person into a first person later. Um, so they sat together in the park, evening sky grew dark. She looked at him, felt a spark, tingled to his bones. Twas then he, he or she felt alone and wished that she'd gone straight and watched out for a simple twist of fate. And then you go back to that beautiful strum. I really like that it kind of sets the standard. And I think it's really interesting for every version he does. We always start here on this little tableau and you can really go from there wherever you want to go. And I find that to be pretty cool. Bob doesn't always do that. You know, have one verse that almost is not changed at all. Mm. So I kind of like that. Uh, I mean, I think it's a great way to establish it. I think you kind of have to have that. It makes sense. You can jump off anywhere from there. We're just saying there's two people. <laughs> so that's There's two good. people. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and without going so far into the future too, I mean, it's definitely something, you know, like my high school self and any, any time that you listen to this, I think is going to be so influenced by how you feel about it. But when I, when I heard the song at the beginning, the simple twist of fate, the idea of fate is interesting. And I think this song messes with the idea of the one. Right. And mm-hmm. I think as like a high schooler or as somebody who's like never been in a serious relationship, I think you can get bogged down in like believing that they're like the one is a thing or it's not something that you make or whatever. And I think that this song is weird because it sort of edges that knife of like this idea of fate and the one versus the concept of like you make that yourself. And I think Bob is not going to be the one to tell you which one is which, right? Because there are moments in here um, that even with like rewrites and uh, journal stuff where he, I don't think knows if it is fate that's deciding stuff or if it's her 
that's doing it or if it's him that does it. And I think that you can chalk it up to something called fate uh, or not. But I think it's an interesting idea to keep going as we talk about the song further, because, I mean, what is a simple twist of fate? Who is it? Is it a person? Is it a thing? What is this twist of fate? Um, I don't know if we ever really get an answer to that, obviously, but um, it's a is great this a, turn of phrase. Is it a common turn of phrase or is this like a Bob coining this thing? It's, like, I, I mean, I can't think of it as a as a common turn of phrase. No. I mean, I typed in, you know, like twist of fate um, just on like fine songs and everything is Bob. Now that could just be it's been covered so many times, but I just don't know what a simple twist of fate is unless it's uh in a, po- a poetry book somewhere but i feel like i would i would see that i would know yeah. that well i didn't know if it was i can't say like i did all the shakespeare research, but... or something you know well did mm. you did you encounter uh the 1994 uh motion picture called simple twist of fate starring steve martin and Catherine o'hara and laura linney uh the tagline uh, I being did not. his life was emotionally closed off from the world until an orphan baby showed up at his house <laughs> Dad, we gotta get out more. You are her natural father. You like horses? Oh, yeah. You can have them. Holy smokes. She's not yours, Michael. She is my child. Mr. Newland is my real father. You are not getting her. Touchstone Pictures presents Steve Martin in the story of a father any child could love. I want to be an actress. Oh my god! Well, this is a this is a supplemental waiting to be, waiting to be made. I think we need to watch that movie immediately, oh, and man, we need to do a podcast bad. on it. There's no way it's so. it's good. There's it's zero chance it's good. Uh, it has a bunch of heavy hitters in it, and we've learned that sometimes that can be a saving grace in and of itself. That's true. So I will remember this, and I will bring it up to you when I edit this episode. You will know because you will have forgotten about oh, twist of fate, and yes. I will forget about it, and then I will remind you. So we will be doing that at some point for sure. Okay, I have a question about the first verse. So, well, I mean, my two, my one question is about is it's broad for the whole song, but about this one specifically, this verse when the narrator says he felt alone and wished that he'd gone straight. Now, initially, when I was listening to this song. I was for some reason reading this as like this guy's kind of a, a ruffian and therefore mm. unsuitable for the partner. So he's mm. like, I wish I would have, you know, cleaned up my act so I could be with Straight her. And narrow. But then I was like, oh, are we talking literally like about the end of the song where he finds her on the docks? He wished he would have not seen her so he could avoid the pain and heartache that was oh. to come from their relationship. And I don't know which one it is. I Well, I think with the circular nature of things, Tangled Up in Blue being our example right before this, that's a great read. I mean, that's definitely um, that's definitely plausible. I mean, I think right, right? I mean, because if, if you... Well, that's that maybe brings us to the central question here, which is this person. Clearly, if you're going to say, what is this song? What's happening in the song? We have a couple. We now realize that I gets involved, but fuck all of that. Literally, it's a guy who goes to a hotel room. They do stuff. <laughs> they might do sexy stuff. Naked they might stuff. do sweet stuff. They do stuff. And then she leaves and he's sad. Right? Yeah. That's literally the That's song. That's the song. Yeah. Um, so if it is, if it, but then again, is it really happening? So some people posit that it's a one night stand. Like it's a character, the narrator, uh, either doing a one night stand or sex worker or whatever. Hmm. And the emotions are inside for someone else. But the physical act that's happening is with someone else. Like there's no... There's nothing there because they just get up and leave, basically. But I'm like, well, you know, you could 
right. be with the person you love and they could leave, you know, it's like, yeah. we've imagined that scenario all the time, right? She's a bank robber and she fucking runs <laughs> off with your money. Come on. <laughs> Have some right. imagination. So it's either <laughs> literally happening right there. It's emotional, right? So like this idea of seeing them on the docks, I wish I didn't see you. I wish I, I'd gone straight instead of making that turn to see you. Is he actually seeing her or would he have, if it wasn't the docks, he would have saw her in the mannequin in the window or mm. at the garden center that they always went to. Like it, by the simple twist of fate, did he have any choice to not go down that way? Did Does he have a choice in seeing her? in the most mundane of things. Like if it wasn't that, it would have been something else. Right. I think that's probably the big question. So what do you think? Do you think it's like a physical thing? Like the girl or the guy, the narrator is with a person or it's a, the emotional baggage and the person in the song almost doesn't matter. Like I mean, it's I, incidental. I took it as an actual meeting. I, I, but I didn't assume it was a one night stand. I assumed it was somebody that they like long established, you know, what are those things like, I imagine that it was somebody that they had a, a relationship, uh, you know, like a monogamous or monogamish relationship that was really probably passionate and maybe tumultuous and they broke up, but you kind of keep coming back together. That's part of that faded thing, right? Like, you know, you do that thing, which is very stupid where you're like, let me call my ex-girlfriend when I'm drunk at two in the morning and then you make a fucking mistake and then you're like... You, you know, you can either regret it instantly or start tripping yourself up and be like, oh, my God, I, did, I, I should have never let you go. My, I want to. This means something. We got to pursue this. Let's keep going. And then she's like, no. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I left you for a reason. You're an idiot. Goodbye. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a real meeting of like a couple, not like a, a one night stand or a prostitute or a f emotional, whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um. I, I'm I, I think it's taking it really literal, though, too. Yeah, it's like, I mean, because even if it was the person, there could still be some emotional things. Like, he, she could have left, but it could have been a leaving from a while yeah, ago, for sure. too. Like, it doesn't have to be. Like, so I, I do see the two characters in the song the whole way. But the time aspect, I think, is the problem here, where we don't know when he mm -hmm. wakes up that next day. He could be waking up three years later and being like, fuck, I'm looking next to my bed. No one's here. That's a different verse, man. It's a different day. It has nothing to do with what happened before, right? He's like... The sun is up and right. I'm feeling this emptiness. I can't relate. It, blame it on a twist of fate, right? It has nothing to do with her. Now we've moved on, but we're implying that it is, but it could just be the next day. And then he's like, well, I miss her, you know, walking out on the balcony and fuck, I just miss her, you know, that kind of thing. Or you're staying in a hotel that you used to stay in, right? And mm -hmm. the event did happen before. And then you come back and stay at the same hotel and you forget about it or whatever. And then you're like, oh, I miss her, whatever. I don't know. I think that this is... The answer is probably no, but I did think about it briefly. The I character, do you think it's a different person? Like, do you think that we're supposed to metagame this a little bit and be like, so I'm actually watching this couple and I'm either like a jealous ex or a jealous wannabe lover or just like a random observer to help tell the story? Or is it just like we're going to play with first and third person just to play with it? I, I I get to this a little later in my notes in terms of this because there are songs on Blood on the Tracks that still, again, play with that sense. There's a song called If You See Her Say Hello, which is kind of saying, you know, I'm looking out at my ex's relationships and I'm trying to come to terms with it by saying, reminder that I'm alive. I'm still here, right? Um, but I forgive her or I forgive myself or whatever. We'll get to that song eventually. It's a beautiful song. But it's kind of that too where you're like, there's this detachment here. Like... I, I'm I'm trying to think about that. I'm trying to come to terms with that here. Maybe when I get to my note, I'll have a better answer because I don't, I don't know. Like, that's a great question because is it just a tableau we're supposed to feel 
Or does he switch because he can't help himself? Like he can't tell this in a third person because it's too emotional. He needs to get into the, the raw and gritty details, you know? So mm-hmm. he started out nice and then he was just like, fuck it. Uh, no artifice, no short story. This is, this is between us, you know, type of mm-hmm. get the gloves off type of shit, which I do think the next song on here is called you're a big girl now. I think that, and then idiot wind happens and, and with the album, it's this back and forth of like vengeance and sadness and sorrow right. and then blame and then acceptance. And I think, I think there is something to that where it's like, we need to be frank and truthful with one another. And I can't tell my little, I'm a silly poet and I just tell these little stories. Well, how about I tell you for real this time? What happened? You know, I don't know. I don't know either, but I do know that this song is definitely about Sue's. I've decided because I was Mm. like this song for me as a fun little exercise in my head. I was like, I think this character in this song is the same character from boots of Spanish leather and they're reuniting. And it's, well, we will 100% get to that as well. Great. <laughs> Let's move on to verse, verse two. So they walked, and this doesn't change either. Walked along by the old canal, a little confused. I remember it well. Stopped into a strange, or in 1978, a renovated, thanks for that, uh-huh. a renovated hotel with the neon burning bright. She or he felt the heat of the night hit him or her like a freight train, like a freight train moving with a simple twist of fate. Uh, Clinton Halen notes that there is a uh, Fred Astaire. Uh, Fred Astaire and uh, Ginger Rogers joint from 1934 called the gay divorcee Um, in there. There's a line called uh, there's a line quote chance is a fool's name for fate. And apparently the walking by the old canal and remembering it well, the neon sign is from that movie. So it's a little bit of Bob Dylan from the 1980s cropping up early to have some lyrics about movies in it. So that might be why it never changes. Um, In 1984, he does sing. The Grand or the Riverfront Hotel, where the desk clerks dress in white with a face as black as night. He said, check out Times at 8, all a part of a simple twist of fate. Um, So it doesn't really ever change that we are going into the hotel. So from the first, we have a tableau. Verse two is always, we're at the hotel. And it's not mutually exclusive, right? We have a strange, we have a renovated, we have a grand, we have a riverfront. It could all be the same place. It doesn't have to not be the same place, right? Checkout man is here in one. The neon sign is in the other. So I think it still works no matter how he plays with it. There must be a place either in Bob's mind or the narrator's mind that like vividly brings back this feeling, you know? I agree. Also, side note, I just like the way that he says freight train. Hit him like a freight train. And then train is like part of the next line. That's what I'm saying. Very interesting. I know this isn't the first. Listen, this is a hundred and whatever episode. He does this all the fucking time. I just thought it was very charming this time around. Well, I, again, this is this is my favorite audio for him. So it's like, yeah, him doing the freight train. Uh, he's just so close to Rolling Thunder. It's For me, it's all part and parcel. Oh, Great yeah, vocal. Fucking love it. Absolutely. One of the best. Um, the only thing I could think here is that the heat of the night hit him like a freight train. Very, very sexy. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. if you're going into a <laughs> hotel room, you want the heat of the night hitting like a freight train. Uh, I want to contrast this with 2019 Bob Dylan when he sings. She put she said, put your hand in mine. Ain't no time to hesitate. It was all about a simple twist of fate. Um, so very sweetly, we went from hot and steamy, sexy to just twee. Very cute. <laughs> hold my hold hand, hand, Bob. Uh, which I'm like, that kind of like kills me because I cannot think of another song where Bob is still changing the lyrics around where it just like almost f- comes full circle. I'll get to this later, but 
this song like started he's a young man he's our age when he's making this record and now he's 82 years old and he's still singing about this song and changing it and it's just like a whole lifetime like really you want to talk about a lifetime in a song this might be one of those contenders for like a real lifetime song like we're gonna have a lot of examples of like how his thoughts are changing in real time and going from the heat of like hotel sex to just hold my hand is like very 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 sweet so i just can't i can't handle it um but i also think this is where the divergence occurs we start with the eye character i remember well you know so he intrudes and or the narrator he or she intrudes and um we're never looking back from that moment Verse three, a saxophone somewhere far off playing. Um, <laughs> saxophone or if you're, exactly. Or if you're in uh, the Mahjong uh, parlor in Falmouth, you are hearing a clarinet for some yes. reason. Um, she's walking by the arcade, always an arcade. I don't think the kids are going to be down with that today, Bob. We don't know what an arcade is. Uh, the light is busting through a beat up or a busted shade um, from the other versions of uh, Blood on the Tracks um, where she was waking up. She dropped a coin into the cup uh, of a blind man or another blind man as he sings in the world of John Hammond um, and forgot about a simple twist of fate. The only real change here is that instead of like the light coming through, which does happen no matter what, she also hears a melody rise and fade in um, the um, Rolling Thunder version. Um, so, Which I like a lot better. I think that the lyrical changes for Rolling Thunder are just like carte blanche better. Um, they make the song a little bit stronger and or maybe a little more evocative. And I think they're a little more charitable to the, like the female character has a little bit more agency, I think with the rolling thunder lyrics, like we spend a little more time with her. So I, uh, I prefer them. Yeah. I mean, either version we have like the woman, I mean, if you're going to take it from the woman point of view, cause he does, at least if we're keeping the baseline, he, she, then it's the, the woman is leaving in every one of them, uh, dropping right. the coins into the cup again, could be a memory. Like, Maybe this is something that she does in my head. It's like Bob is seeing her from the window, you know, like he's waking up and seeing her dropping the coin into the cup type of thing. Um, There is a great line in 1984, though, he changes uh, that I do like. He says um, he woke up, you know, the room was thick, something, uh, something there inside was making him sick. He heard the boot heels in the hallway click. The sun was coming up and then the rest of it. So in that one, you're hearing her literally walk away in real time. So it's not that she just is gone putting a coin into the cup. We actually, in 84, hear. We don't see her, but we hear her walking away. Um, Another version in 84, he sings, um, he woke up and it sure was dim. He could feel her eyes looking at him. That's all right, but her chance was slim. And in every way, he came pushing through. He said, baby, I'm leaving my heart with you. Take good care of it and don't be right. All about that simple twist of fate. So hmm. it's kind of weird at that point. I think Bob, 1984 Bob, is a little sad. And I think that he's like, here's my heart. Don't break it. I still love you, even <laughs> though you're going to leave. You know, he's kind of like, he's confused in 74. But by 84, he's kind of like, Again, he kind of accepts it, I suppose. Like, this is going to happen, but I'm still going to give you my heart, even though you're going to stamp it out, you know? Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I read something like that. So, again, it's like the the evolution of this song, I suppose. Um, we also have one more verse that changes a bit. This is from his notebook. Uh, it goes like this, which I actually really like this one. He says, a flute upon the corner played, morning oh, taps yeah. like a promenade, as the light busts through a cut-up shade and sprayed upon the bed. She raised her weary head and couldn't help but hate cashing in on a simple twist of fate. Now there is your agency, right? She is in there 
and she is cashing. What does that mean? Cashing in on a simple, can one cash in on fate? That is an interesting idea, right? Mm. Isn't fate foretold? How are you cashing in? Interesting. Yeah. And I wish he well, kept maybe, it because I think you're right. The agency does get kind of flattened a bit and that's a really yeah. cool line. I wonder if maybe that's supposed to be like, um, I just like an, a you know metaphorical way to be like, this was always going to happen and she's taking joy from it, like cashing in by like reaping the like, oh yeah, I, I did that. That was a mistake and I fucking hate you. Now I'm going to walk out the door. I'm going to cash in on this fate of moment where I just got my hooks back into you and now I'm a mm. leaving. There mm. you go. Goodbye. Just like Ooh. you left me a million times. My turn. Bye. Sure. Yeah, because that reading is very, I don't know. He's very, he's mad at her. He would be angry at whoever cashed in on this on twist the, of fate. On the fate. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it's, so, it's that, that's the only way I can take cashing in as like she's yeah. winning somehow. Right. So therefore you're bitter hmm. that uh, she got to you. Fair enough. Wow. I did not, didn't even think about that, but that's, that's great. I love that a lot. Um, verse four. One that does also dramatically change. Uh, but the Blood on the Tracks version goes, he woke up, right? And we're kind of like, could be in a different place, different time. The room was bare. He didn't see her anywhere. He told himself he didn't care, pushed the window open wide, felt an emptiness inside to which he just could not relate, brought on by a simple twist of fate. He's sad. Yeah, th- he's very sad. <laughs> he's sad, but he's doing the like, I don't even care. That's fine. Whatever. Leave. I don't even, it's not even, I don't even, I don't even like you. Um, right. The this one changes a lot with the Rolling Thunder one too. Yeah, um, yeah. The, 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 this the the blood on the tracks one is interesting. Just, just before, yeah. If you want to read off that one, but um, yeah. It's like this one. This line. This first to me is like the most general feeling one. You know, like you might not get on board with the others because you might not have had like hotel sex capades. But like <laughs> this feeling of waking up in the room, empty, unrelatable to yourself, cursing fate instead of anything you've done wrong. I mean, I think everybody's been there, checks out. So I think that's the mo- that's the line where I think most would be like, hmm, okay, that's getting a little too close. But yeah, I do think that the Rolling Thunder changes are excellent. And um, yeah, I don't know if you have that in front of you or not. Yeah, um, he woke up, she was gone. He didn't see nothing but the dawn. Uh, he got out of bed and put his clothes back on and pushed back the blinds, found a note she left behind, uh, felt the... Ne- Oh yeah, found the other she left behind, and then I, I don't remember. So, so to, to which he could not, not, not relate. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, to, and then all about a simple twist of fate, something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that that changes a lot. And then there are a couple different variations in 1978. He sings uh, the letter to which he could not concentrate on. And then 2019 mm. gets probably the most real, and again makes it really sad because I found a letter that she left behind that said, "You should have met me back in '58." We could have avoided this simple twist of fate. Oh, shit. Isn't that fucking wild? Like, these these rewrites are wild. Like, 58 famously would be a big year for Bob Dylan. Like, he graduated. He's, like, going off to college. Like, imagine, he is saying, I wish that I was never Bob Dylan the folk singer. I was never a pop star. I wish that you met me and we just lived a happy, conventional, whatever life. We could have yeah. avoided all of this. Like, what a fucking crazy thing to put into your own oeuvre. I think that's fucking awesome. And really sad. Whoever he's talking yeah. to, like, that is really devastating. 
Um, again, it's obviously Sue's, but um... obviously, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I, what can you do as you get older but constantly replay your mistakes and regrets? It's just mm-hmm. like the bane of being human. Like, why did I not do that thing, or why did I do that thing? And I'm sure when you're somebody who's been playing music for so long and playing, being on this never-ending tour, you're like, I gotta change it up, mm-hmm. or I'm gonna kill myself. I can't. <laughs> like, I gotta, yeah. I gotta work some of this. And if, and it's really, it is touching only because it, it must mean something to him still, which is like just a testament in itself to anybody who's been doing art forever that like i still care this song still matters to me 800 times later enough that i like want to put new energy into it very cool yeah i think that's great yeah i mean this is where i kind of went through the you know if we're taking this original lyrics as being mad he kind of went from mad to sorrow to blame to vengeance um in 1984 this line he kind of changed it around and he had lines in here where he's basically from either version from the man and the woman he has a line that goes uh he said i taught you all that you know now don't bother me no more you know where to find the door go on before it's too late and forget about that simple twist of fate and then from the woman's perspective uh or no i'm sorry this is also from the man's no of course it's from the guy's perspective still um he says i don't know where you i don't know i don't think you know where to find the door she said no i just can't wait it's all about that simple twist of fate so for me that's a bit of like he's mad he's actually telling her to go like he's rewriting the whole history of that encounter as she left and i was sad no i told her to go um which is very 1984 he's a he's kind of being a little brat right there and then i think he comes back to acceptance and he kind of he sings the song traditionally for years until he's back again with like this wistfulness from the last couple of a uh, couple of years where he's changing the lyrics again um, for this song. Cause I think you're right. I think it means something to him that I, there's not a whole lot of other songs that he's still like actively changing. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Great, yeah. great, great verse. But I do think the rolling thunder is, is better um, mm-hmm. in every way, but the 58 line is pretty bad or not bad, but sad. Uh, verse five, he hears the ticking of the clocks and walks alone with a parrot that talks. Why not? Um, <laughs> in other ones, he walks through the city blocks, which I do think is better. Uh, in Mao Zhang, he refer- reverts those two. So he's hearing the clocks and then, or he's walking the blocks and then the clocks, whatever. Um, hunts are down by the waterfront docks, always the waterfront docks where the sailors all come in or they row in. Um, maybe she'll pick him out again. How long must he wait one more time? for that simple twist of fate. The one more time is pretty sad, but also he changes this around as well. Um, in other versions for blood on the tracks, he says, maybe she'll spot him once again and mm-hmm. volume five, uh, or the rolling thunder review. He says, maybe he'll spot her once again. And then 2019, it's not even spotting. Maybe he'll see her once again, which I think is a very, like she's dead. And if this is about Sue's Susie, she's dead. And maybe right. he'll see her in heaven or wherever yeah. in the afterlife. Like, again, this song just like drips with sadness the longer yeah. you go along. Um, so I thought that was really sad. But he's obsessed with the waterfront docks, whatever that means. He's reading Lord of the Rings. I don't know. Getting on the boat to go to the forever land. I don't know what he's doing. No, it's because she came back or he came back from fucking Spain. Mm. That's why. <laughs> that's, that's That is true. That's actually getting to verse six. It's true. The end of the song. Do people tell me it's a sin to know and feel too much within? I still believe she was my twin, but I lost the ring. She was born in spring, but I was born too late. Blame it on a simple twist of fate. Uh, what an ending. What a what a wild ride. 
Yeah, and then the the Rolling Thunder one is like totally different because mm. it's just boots of Spanish leather. Yeah, that one I is I think my it's it's better. Yeah, you're right. And that one is not only with the line where he says Susie in 1981, but yeah, people tell me it's a crime to know too much for too long a time. She could have ca- she should have caught me in my prime. She would have stayed with me instead of going back to sea and leaving me to meditate upon a simple twist of fate. Yeah. What an incredible you know, verse like that is so much better, but it's so much more real. And again, I think Bob couldn't be that real on the record. He almost had to pull back another instance of him doing that. But I love both of those versions. And I really think the, I was born in spring, but I was born too late is Mm. really sad. Like really sad. Yeah. I mean, that is a great line. So it sucks that it's not in the rolling thunder one, but I just think that overall that whole verse is so much stronger in the rolling thunder one. Um, but yeah. they're both good. Like, that's the thing. Even the, with the exception of the parrot line, I hate the parrot line. It's mm-hmm. so dumb. It's like, this song is so good and has so much weight and gravity. And then you're going to say about a fucking parrot. Come on, man. <laughs> so that's a bummer. But uh, I, while I prefer the changes, I think the song still totally stands um, the way it was on the, on the album. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, y- yeah. I mean, the she was my twin. Do you think that the ring, but I lost the ring was like, a Obviously, he didn't like physically lose a wedding ring or something. But do we think it's about marriage? Like, I, I lost, you know, I, I just didn't do it, so I lost the chance to be married to you. Do we read it like that, or how do you read the ring? I mean, I guess right. I, like, maybe he was gonna propose, but then didn't, you know, for one reason or another. Like, maybe it was that literal that like I, I was gonna, yeah. not that he like I literally lost it, but just like the the drive, right. the want, the, the relationship. It just like. I lost the the chance, you know, good old Joan being like the bells. I just didn't get, we didn't get those wedding bells. We were supposed to, but we didn't. And it's just like, oh yeah. God. Anyway, but yeah, I the think, I think that's probably. Ring, but yeah. I also like the change from the, she was my twin. Like I get it. Why you get like, you guys are so connected. I understand the line, like right. what that's supposed to be saying, but I think that the, you know, she should have caught me in my prime. Um, mm. It's, it's kind of just better. I don't know if it feels better than the ring thing and the, the twin. Thing, and actually. like the irony too of that, like I've, caught me in my prime it's like you are in your prime like that's yeah dude that's the, the fun part about talking? dylan it's just like what does that even mean and that's the whole 58 thing right i mean is it like right. is it really that like i became a different person bob dylan is this entity but robert zimmerman his prime he was cut down i mean you ask bob dylan transfiguration i mean the motherfucker thinks that he that happened to him like there is this world where yeah bob dylan is like this living person over here but robert zimmerman died a long time ago and yeah. That might be the lament, you know, that he was, I don't know, born too late is a weird way to put it. But I guess if time is like a big collapsing circle, then it you could be born too early or too late. It almost didn't matter, right? Because fate would decide anyway. Mm. Pretty crazy. Uh, the only real big alteration I have is in 1984, um, Dylan, instead of saying she would have stayed with me, he changes it to she wouldn't leave me that way which is very mm-hmm. sad. So Bob Dylan is clearly spiraling out in 1984. Just listen to Real Live and his version of Tangled Up in Blue, if you need to uh, know that anymore. <laughs> but yeah, he is a very sad boy at this part. Um, but but I think he's also coming around to acceptance um, because in 2019, I think he's, you could say he might've found some peace. So um, this is from 2019, quote, People tell me it's a sin, that it's wrong, it's wicked, it's too far down in. I let her get under my skin, under my skin too late. I had another date, a day that couldn't wait. Blame it on a simple twist of fate. I think it's a little bit cornier 
than the rest of his lyrics. It just kind of keeps saying the same words over again, but it kind of comes full circle in that 58 line, especially where he's saying, I had another date with destiny and that destiny was for me to be Bob Dylan. So the Mm -hmm. fate was actually that, that I was always supposed to go to New York. I was always supposed to talk New York and I was always supposed to be this person here. And unfortunately that's what I have to accept and I have to come to peace with me being Bob Dylan and not being able to be Robert Zimmerman. And if and if and if I was if that was the case, I never would have met you, Suze. So maybe he's singing right. about Echo if he's still hung up on Minnesota <laughs> women. You know what I mean? Like it could be yeah. that too. I mean, maybe we just misdiagnosed this whole song. But I mean, in that way, I think it's actually really beautiful where he's like, I had another date, and that date was with destiny, right? Mm-hmm. He is the twist of fate. I love that. Yeah. Is that right? Is that wrong? I it's don't all know. right. And it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> so does, with that being said, I mean, does it work? Does this song work today? You know, I think the sentiment is one of those eternal things, not to like wax too poetic, but like, I yeah. think that that, you know, that's always going to work. And as I said, you can reinvent this song so easily just with the bones so that it has already. However, I will say there's a quality to it that, makes it feel dated and i can't really describe it because it's not the like the instrumentality i mean it's you know an acoustic guitar and a bass but there's right we just don't write songs like this anymore (laughs) if there's any like (laughs) i don't know how else to put it it's just like not she's coming to the dark side it's happening everybody (laughs) 141 episodes but it's happening I don't necessarily mean that in a good way. I'm just saying, like, I don't, I just, I'm just, I feel like thematic, I don't know, something about this euphonically just doesn't jive with, like, today's music. So I don't know that it works today as is. Um, It doesn't have a timeless quality to it for me for some reason, though I can't pinpoint it. And I know that's, like, frustrating. Like, uh, you don't like it, but you can't say why, so you must not really like it. it, I do like it, obviously. I really enjoy the song. But, like, I can't can't tell you why it doesn't work. I just don't think it does. In its form on the the album. Um, But people can do a lot with it. I mean, I think that, that we... The Jeff Tweedy version was on our playlist briefly. I think that that sounds fresh. You know, I think that that you know, totally works. But I, I don't think this song as it is works today. I think a version of it could. And I think that the uh, meaning and the idea of the song certainly uh, work at any any point in history. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. A thousand percent. I mean, I think I, I try to imagine kids coming around to records. This record is always lauded. I mean, it's in you know, every list you can think of seventies list, best of all time lists, kids are going to come across this song, you know, just trying to get into other types of music and whatever. And I do, I do think that this is a song that they're going to like. I think that when I was a kid, it was a song that was drawn to me. I think on a certain day, this, even as a 15, 16, 17 year old, I would have unironically said, this was my favorite song on blood on the tracks. It is strong enough to stand with all the rest of them. But I do understand what you're saying that there's like this, like, a little bit of a quality in there that does very much put it into its place. And I don't know what it is either, but it doesn't take away from the fact that yes, it absolutely works today. The sentiment, the lyrics, the way that it's sung, I think it's interesting. And because it sounds different, you're going to be interested in why it sounds different. Right. And if you know Bob Dylan, great, great vocals. If you don't know Bob Dylan or just a little bit of Bob Dylan, I think you're going to be shocked. Just like you'll be shocked by Muppet voice. You're going to be shocked by how good (laughs) his vocal delivery is, you know, because this is like, wow, that's Bob Dylan. That's Bob Dylan. Holy shit. You know, I think this is a great vocal from him. And like I said before, I hope Bob Dylan got some catharsis out of writing the song 
over and over for, for 50 years now. But like, I, I hope people get catharsis out of it. Right. I mean, what happened before will happen again. It's all happening right now. You can't repeat the past. What do you mean? You can't, of course you can. The past isn't even past all this stuff. Like I think that because time keeps going on and we keep seeing our own memories, our own photos, we go to places, we live in our little worlds. You're just going to keep being reminded of things back in the past probably more so today than, than Bob Dylan was back then. And I think these types of feelings that he's invoking, I think are going to happen to us a lot more than it happened to them. And I think it's good to come to terms with that. And I mean, Kelly, as you said, tamping it down is definitely, I mean, I understand that everybody does that. Right. But it's one of those things where it's like, at some point the the dam is going to burst. And I think Bob hopefully found catharsis writing the song. And maybe that's something we can all think about. How do we, let some of these feelings go because yeah, this is the kind of stuff that can really make you a sick individual to feel like fate or something has stopped you instead of seeing maybe what really happened in the scenario. Maybe Bob was the dick. Maybe she was the dick, right? It's mm-hmm. not fate. It's we are people on the earth and maybe that's the takeaway or we're all faith or we're all fate. Who knows? I don't know. We're all faith from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> all faith from Buffy the Vampire <laughs> People tell me it's a crime to know and feel too much at any one time. She should have caught me in my prime. She would have stayed with me instead of going off to sea and leaving me to meditate upon. Speaking of podcasts, Kelly, uh, we're a real podcast. You can listen to us everywhere in cars, out in the wilderness, in, in your garage. If you have a podcast closet where you don't record, but you just listen to podcasts, that's cool. You can do that there. Um, you know, SOTWpod.com, SOTWpod on the socials. Um, you want to give us some money? We can offer you episodes as they're edited. That's about all we can do because uh, we have busy <laughs> lives. Uh, as you heard, Kelly has a full-time job and I have to sit in the desert. So yeah, busy. We're busy. Busy. Yeah. We're very, very busy. Uh, but, but we the best appreciate thing that we any do, dollars, please. We do. And, and we'll take it for sure. And uh, <laughs> it's been very nice. Thanks to all of the people that listen. Honestly, yeah. just listen, tell people about it. You know, we're, we're going to be that weird Bob Dylan podcast and we, we love being the weird Bob Dylan podcast. So please tell people to listen. Uh, if you don't want to listen to us anymore, that's cool. We respect that. But what I would say <laughs> is that you should continue to be subscribed to our playlist on Spotify. See that my playlist is kept clean um, for real time updates for what we're listening to. And it's always really great. And you can also search for every playlist that we do just by the name of the song. SOTW in there as well. You'll find it. Um, they're all great. And this one is no exception. Uh, I love this this playlist this week. We've really been killing it out here <laughs> in playlist world. So let That's us know true. if you love our playlist. Um, welcome to the, the playlist world uh, for the second time only weirdly hop along. It's been a long oh, time. God. Remember we, we went to go see them for your birthday, like three years ago. Now it feels I like a, another lifetime and they it's haven't like, done anything what a since them. then. And I just like, I forget mm-hmm. how good hop along is. And then the second I hear literally any one of their songs, I'm just like, God, how dare you? You're so good band. It's so good. I, I, I'm confused. Are you talking about Hop Along or Corn? The next one. Oh, Corn. That's what I meant. For the yeah, second time. Corn. <laughs> uh, the twi- twi- that was fucking weird. Corn uh, is always a weird hit and miss. I remember like four years ago, I went and I listened to a bunch of Corn. I don't know what episode that's on, but I definitely did it at some point. So oh, yeah. maybe if there's a scholar of the show, they can go find 
Maybe I listened to Twist. I don't know. Yeah, that song immediately when I was like, Twist, oh, I'm definitely putting Twist on here. And I was like, <laughs> uh, and, and I will say an accidental bit of genius on mine and your part collaboratively. That mm. Kid Cudi song, the end of it, he says, like, welcome to the nightmare or whatever. And then it mm-hmm. immediately goes into John Davis. Go, rah, rah, rah. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Amazing. That was all you. That was all you. Uh, no, I kept, I kept, uh, I kept your, uh, your thing together, fate or whatever it is. Simple as twist. God, what is it again? Fateful. Call it twisted. Fate. Fateful. Yeah. You did it twice, which yeah. was nice. Um, and then for the second time, Dr. Dog, um, how long oh. must I wait? Uh, some of this I took from the lyrics, obviously of the song. So how long right, must yeah. I wait is on there and Dr. Dog, they've, uh, they've been on here before big Bob Dylan fans, of course, for the fifth time, the strokes call it fate, call it karma. Um, listening to that, I definitely didn't get the strokes vibe. I was like, what is this that I'm listening to? Very unstrokesy like stroke song. But I really, uh, that was really nice. And then Joan Baez for the fifth time, Simple Twist of Fate. The less said, the better, clearly. <laughs> and for the seventh time, and probably like five, at least five from that record, uh, Kid Cudi, Simple As, you know, seven. We are going to get the whole Man on the Moon album. We absolutely will. Dude, talk about like the cyclical nostalgia that is like a condition of people our age. This song mm-hmm. is just like, oh God, I miss being in Florida. And when you say the words out loud, I miss being in Florida, we know we're in Ooh, trouble. <laughs> yeah. It's true though. I mean, my Instagram is basically filled with like, you know, these websites, whatever it is, Punk News, Brooklyn Vegan, whatever they are, they just like tap right into me where it's just like, it's the 10th anniversary of this record, seminal record from 2011. And you're like, oh, I miss Lawrence. You know, you're like, yeah, because you're like, where was I in 2011? Oh, I was in Kansas. Oh, yeah. God, this record reminds me of walking down the streets in Kansas, right? It's, yeah, it's yeah. all fucked up, man. Well, that's the thing about Simple <laughs> Twisted Fate. You never know what's going to pull. Oh, I hate it. Um, welcome to the podcast for the very first time. A lot of great bands. Uh, Wednesday, Fate As. Oh, they're so great. good. Yeah, oh. so good. Uh, they just came out with a new record, I'm, I believe. So do that as well. Blackbird, Blackbird, Felt It In My Bones, or Feel It In My Bones, I'm sorry, uh, was was pretty good. Pat Benatar, Wild, In The Heat Of The Night. I do believe I've heard this song. Um, I don't know nothing about Pat Benatar, though. Yeah, I mean, other than, you know, like, uh, Love Is A Battlefield. and <laughs> Love Is A Battlefield, the, right. The other one. You know, the, the other, other one. one that we can't the remember. other one, which oh could God, be in the heat it? of the night. We have no idea. No, uh, it's tracks. definitely not. What is it? No, I, I know. need to know. Hang on. Hang on. What yeah, do it? it. Do it. Do it. Hang on. Hang on. Uh, hit me with your best shot. Duh. Hit me with oh, your har- best shot. Heartbreaker. Mm-hmm. We belong. Oh, Shadows come on. The night. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. fuck. I mean, yeah. all right. It's like people like her or something. It's like she was a big deal. Well, we love Pat here now because she's a part of our playlist world. So otherwise we wouldn't care. We just wouldn't care. Uh, Traxxas, <laughs> Neon Burn, very short uh, and sweet. Xavier Omar, Blind Man. I thought that was a, a standout as well. I've never heard of him, but <clears throat> that was pretty good. You put Akira Otada, who I talked about, sure. Bad Mode. And I was like, that's that's the name. I know that. Different record, uh, Simple and Clean. Oh, It was yeah, great. Okay. Uh, I mean, like, wow. So, so okay, so this song... <laughs> This song was the like soundtrack or one of the songs on the soundtrack, like the song for Kingdom Hearts and uh, not this version, but another version that is much slower and more saccharine that I did not put. Mm. I saved us from that one. I put on the dance one because you you need it. You need to be uplifted. Uh, I do. It's it's. I was so into that song inexplicably, and I don't know why. So I, as soon as I had the opportunity to put that song on here, I just could not help myself. So you're welcome, everyone. From a long time ago, you like that song? Yeah, yeah. From when oh, Kingdom so Hearts like came out, thing, whenever then. that okay. was. 
Oh, wow, yeah, so yeah, this yeah. was like a weird confluence of like, I randomly heard about this person. You already knew them, but you didn't know that you knew them type of thing. Right. Or you did yes. know about them. Okay. All right. No, I didn't. I don't remember the, us having this conversation. So I'm definitely, uh, definitely, this is like hearing it for the first time. But yeah, can, this song I, I knew from when, because it, it was on the commercial and it got me every time. And I was like, I must have to, I'm going to try to play this game. And then I did not like the game, but I was so into that stupid fucking song. I couldn't get it out of my head. Anyway. No idea. Yeah, we we live in different worlds at that point, so no clue. Uh, Amini, Amini, Twisted, and Annalise sure. Fateful were the two that you put on there. Uh, they were uh-huh. they were pretty good. The Fateful one they seemed very like nineties. I didn't oh, look yeah. into that it. Oh yeah, that was but... definitely my wheelhouse. Yeah, they only have one album um, mm. on Spotify. It was from the ninety eight. So that's Revenge mm. of the Killer Crash Helmets. Um, but yeah, I don't know how big they were. They only have a couple thousand listens, but it's always hard to tell when it's, uh, an older band that kind of got lost to time a little bit. Oh no, they have more than one album. I just lied out of, totally <laughs> lied, but it's all 90 stuff, but and not very many listens. Yeah. Okay. Well, Annalise, uh, if you want to check it out, Tim Curry, first time, welcome to simple twist of fate. I don't know if he's going to show up again. Let's be honest, but um, if there's an opportunity, I will definitely make it happen. <laughs> you know, I looked through it before and Tim Curry did not show up. So I don't know what happened here where it popped through or I just saw it or what. But yeah, first time going through, I was like, covers, 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 boring, boring, boring. No, thanks. Didn't see it. But here it is. And we love it. Thank God. Uh, and then to close it out, we had a uh, gun wash born in spring. Part one or sorry, gun ash, gun ash born in spring. Part one uh, Habibi cool. born too late and knocked loose denied by fate. Um, I, I enjoyed the, the end knocked loose. were pretty, they were pretty hardcore, but Habibi, yeah, I like the born too late one. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't love the knocked loose song. It's just, you know, not quite my style. I get into some metal, but it wasn't for me, but I'm glad we it, were didn't, and it was short. And it was short. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Born too born in spring too late. And then of course you have to be denied by fate. That's why it's at the end. So we love it. A uh, great, great playlist. I thought it was excellent. So, uh, if you're curious about the next one, go look it up, see that my playlist is kept clean and, uh, yeah. Excellent. We were also people in the world this week. We just saw Bob Dylan live. Um, as, as we said, we, we loved it. It was fucking awesome. Uh, at some point, I'm sure we'll talk about it or we've talked about it in the past or future or whatever time is. What were you doing this week? Recommendation wise for the people out in the world. Uh, I mean, I really do hope that uh, he plays the song. I think that'd be really cool. And oh, it would be a song so. that I would know. Which I would make Not me feel sure. very like <laughs> I've listened to Bob Dylan before, <laughs> and you gotta you don't who doesn't love a smug audience member at a concert, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. it's gonna be the whole great the entire concert will be that. Hmm, I know. This is. <laughs> I've heard the band before. Oh God. Okay. Um. So I watched the movie Death Becomes Her from 1992, starring Gold, Goldie Hawn, Meryl Streep, and none other than a Bruce Willis, uh, in like a weird kind of Rick Moranis role because he's like this meek doctor kind of guy. Um. And so it was fun to see him like that. It, it's like a very campy, ridiculous thing where this uh, Meryl Streep plays an actor. Wow, what a stretch. Uh, who like basically sells part of her soul to well she pays a lot of money for a potion given to her by isabella rossellini who's also in the movie that makes her um not age it like turns her back into being in her 20s because she's like in her 50s in the movies and it makes it so that she won't age but it also makes it so that she can't die so she like falls down these stairs and her head's all backwards and fucked up and she like and then goldie hahn does the same like she also takes the potion because they're in competition with each other because women be shopping uh so like she she gets a shotgun blast through her so she has this giant hole through her middle through most of the movie it's so funny it's like very camp but i um 
I, I loved it. It was, it was pretty great. Uh, and then I f- finished Better Call Saul season five just right before we started recording. Man, I forgot most of the things that happened in that show because it's been a while since season four came out um, on Netflix, at least. And I even watched all of the like season recaps before I watched season five. Did not help. Don't give like, anything wow, away still... because... Still I haven't going watched on. it yet, so yeah, don't. Yeah, no, I won't, but I just, okay. it, it was really good. I just, I'm going to have to rewatch the show in totality once mm-hmm. season six is over for sure, because I was like, you know, and I want to do a classic, you know, after the prequels for Star Wars came out where you're like, okay, well, time to watch episode one of Better Call Saul to the end, you know, to the movie of Breaking Bad, which I still haven't watched. One day that will happen. And by day, I mean over a course of months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'm curious if they're going to link it up because they're in it, you know, um, Cranston mm-hmm. and paul so like i wonder if they're just going to be a bit players in the thing or if it's going to like i don't know i have no idea what's going to happen so we'll definitely have to spoiler it at some point on the show once we get yes. through it or something so we will um, i also back to my heat rocks albums i listened to only two more but uh erica badu's mama's gun from 2000 uh is great like neo soul r&b kind of funky record i mean i've heard it before my brother was actually really into all the soul Quarian stuff you know like erica badu common d'angelo Talib Kweli, the, all those guys that have that, you know, Jay Dilla was the, the main producer on most of them. Um, and like, so that sound, I just love the sound of all those records. It's like, you know, Voodoo, Mama's Gun, Like Water for Chocolate, uh, The Roots, Things Fall Apart, like all that is just like a very similar ilk. So this album is great front to back, um, given all that preamble. Uh, the song On and On, I think, was the single because it was definitely super familiar to me. But uh, I really enjoyed Time's a Wasting and the last track on the album, Green Eyes, which is 10 minutes long. And it's nice. It's like almost like a little symphony. It's definitely got like movements, right? Like it starts off as like a lounge song and then it really just keeps going and there's like different definitely different sections so that all come together really beautifully and uh i think it was a fantastic album can't you know can't say enough good things about it and then speaking of an album you can't say enough good things about the other album was kendrick lamar section 80 oh my god every song is perfect like how do you pick your favorite song on that album uh i tried my best i really liked the very opening track minus the intro part where he's like at a campfire or something talking about it It that's so weird like voiceover whatever but i do like that song uh fuck your ethnicity which is the first track and then um hole up and uh po man's dreams the the album's great i mean he's fucking great and uh hopefully the new album will be coming out soon i didn't listen to the new song yet um you you missed it it's out it's already out oh it's out (laughs) came out on friday (laughs) well wait for it wait for the wait i'll I'll blow your mind kelly wait wait for it (laughs) 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 wonderful okay well now at least i have something to listen to next week i will make a point to listen to that album for sure anyway what did you do oh shit well what did i do i i'm reading books i I finished a book called warmth by daniel shirell it's like a open letter to his child if he's going to have one or not he doesn't know but he's trying to explain about what what's going on with the environment so he's like a environmental um activist and he's just kind of like spiraling out so he's trying to put it to good use and write about it so it was a very it was a very beautiful book and uh good stuff so warmth um i'm revisiting a lot of like 2020 2021 um it's because i'm out here just sort of bumming it i'm I'm doing a lot of writing and stuff so i'm listening to a lot of just instrumental things but um i'm trying to go through but i'm i'm falling behind there's so many records Kevin Morby has a brand new record. Arcade Fire came out with a new record. I haven't listened to it yet. Uh, Cave In has a new EP. Florence the Machine. Uh, the Smile, which is like three-fourths of Radiohead, came out with a record. Oh. 
I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. Chick, 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 block party, Bob villain, Kurt Vile, Tim Casher, Vince Staples, Kai Tempest, destroyer, even the red hot chili peppers. I was like, in a fantasy, I'm like, I'm just going to re-listen to all the Chili Peppers. And like, no, of course I'm not going to do that. So it's just like so many records. And I'm just like, oh, I should really give, you know, that early 2021 record uh, another role. And it's like, no, Daniel, stop. You need to fucking get through this list right here. Uh, but the one record that I put everything down for is Miss Morale and the Big Steppers. Kendrick Lamar came out on Friday. Um, few thoughts in general. And this will just be to key up for you, Kelly. But I won't give uh, too much away. My favorite thing about brand new records is that they get called mid right away. And I think it's funny. Mid means not good. Like, you know, middle, middling, Uh, you know, it's mid. So within five hours, nobody's really listened to this record. Everyone online is just like, this is mid. It's mid. It's very funny. You know, um, rate your music is like, there's so much of that shit. So it's very funny. I'm into it. But I always do think there is somebody out there right now who is going through what we all go through, which is that this album might not live up to their expectations. And now they have to choose what to do with that. Right. Because your favorite artist makes an album you don't like. That is a seminal moment for any music fan. Right. How do you keep going? Do you write them off? Do you get mad about it? Or do you say, oh, it's not for me? I think the younger you are, the more sort of vehement you are. So hopefully somebody out there is like, I don't really like this, but I'm okay. I hope that that's the take. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Number two, we've talked about Jay-Z and Kanye and being a fucking billionaire and, you know, nearing on 50 and having nothing to say in the world anymore. Uh, Thankfully, Kendrick is not, he's our age, so he's not getting to his 50s yet, but he's also has not run out of things to say, thank God. So unlike them, who are like almost borderline unlistenable because they have nothing to say about the world, this record is very heavy on lots of things, so don't worry about that. Um, I do want to caution you, Kelly, this is for you since you haven't listened to it yet. Do not be like me, okay? I listened to this record in the back of my SUV, uh, the sun was rising. It was beautiful. I pulled down the blanket. I'm like, oh yeah, let it in. Headphones, both headphones in. I just watched the sunrise, listening to Kendrick. I was bopping. I was thinking. I got up. I made some tea. I'm just listening. I'm feeling lots of things. Great. Very emotional record. I walked around after it was over. I let the, the sun warm me, warm my soul. I was thankful that I was alive. And then I went on Twitter. Do not go <laughs> on social media. <laughs> Just do not when do you're it. in a good mood. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. I think context is so important. I just think we do the show and I've learned just trying to like talk about Bob Dylan with you. It's like out of context. A lot of shit is crazy. I think you need context to really understand Absolutely. stuff. And it's like yeah. art is also art and you should be a little bit uncomfortable and you get to feel on the one hand, we've talked about this a million times. You can feel however you want to feel. People get mad because they're, they, they think they're being told how to feel about a song. No, you can feel uncomfortable. You can feel anything you want, but you can also have two sides of your brain and you can also feel and look at the text and, and maybe use that object, object objectivity and see what other people are, are saying about it. And why, if you're confused about that, try to find out why they're saying that and come to some sort of understanding. Maybe, um, that's my advice because otherwise, if you're just like, you know, fuck Kendrick, he's the worst. Then I think you're siding with the bigots who already hate him and think he's the worst. And I don't think that that's a good thing to do at all. might as well just not the best option is to just not listen if you don't like it don't listen right but don't people forget that they have that option sometimes for some reason they really do and they have to have a take on everything right yeah and i was going to listen to all of it too so i wish i did listen to to section 80 and i was going to go through it all again uh because 80 is definitely the one i have not listened to 
pretty much except for maybe once or twice i really start with good kid mad city but like i really want to go back and listen to the whole thing all the way through again now that we're at five records so maybe i'll do that at well, some yeah. point but on the the you know cyclical nostalgia tip that that record's also 10 years old section 80 yeah so see there welcome. you go <laughs> <sighs> and he has five records i mean it's just crazy that we just keep living isn't it wild we just keep I know. breathing every day <laughs> I remember when Good Kid Mad City came out. I remember how big that was. 2012. That was also 10 years ago. I mean, Section 80 was 2011, so, but yeah. Right. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Sucks. It sucks being alive. Everything is great. And just don't think about it. Don't go on Twitter. Just keep your mind busy. Take up as many hobbies. Do three of them at the same time if you can. That's a really, I know for me, I need to be listening to a podcast and God help me. Sometimes I will also listen to music while I'm listening to a podcast and then doing another activity on top of that. That's my sweet spot. Just so distracted that the layers of distracted, there's no possible way your mind could drift and therefore go to the darkness. You got to keep yourself away (laughs) from the darkness. (laughs) I'm the opposite. I think you should all, everybody out there who's getting mad, I think you should steal yourself, sit down with your computer or a pen and write, make something, create something, do something like that. Because when you actually try to make art, I don't think you have these kind of bad opinions about the world and you start to see things in a much kinder light and you can still have, and we do pretty definitive opinions about stuff. And I think there's plenty of opinions to be had, but it comes from an artistic sensibility and not from a, I'm sad about this thing existing or something like that or whatever. So I think we just, yeah, either either bury it or let it all loose, my friends. Uh, we're a podcast of uh, that makes no sense. Uh, so just do whatever you want to do. <laughs> Isn't this supposed to be about Bob Dylan, you guys? And like only yeah. talk about Bob Dylan for like twenty percent of your show. <laughs> well, it's twenty. I mean, we talked about it for an hour and. I would minutes. say we're I would good. say at least I would say we average about seventy percent. It's seventy percent Bob Dylan. This is seventy percent Bob Dylan hour. <laughs> That we could rename it to the seventy percent Bob Dylan hour, absolutely. So that's good. Seventy percent Bob Dylan hour, and we move on. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't have any songs in front of me. I don't have any way to pick or look at because I'm on my phone. Um, so I, I can. You were. I can try. Yeah, that's what can I'm saying. I? So how about okay, you cool. do a random word, and yes. you do Search that. Bob Dylan lyrics. Yes, that's right. my goal. Okay, cool. So. I'm going to random word. Let's see what my five random words are. Auditor, number one. I'm going to see if there is a... If I search Bob Dylan. (laughs) Yes. Lyrics and the word auditor, what happens? I don't think it's going to come up. Okay. The next word is athlete. Athlete. Surely there's an athlete. Also no. Not that hmm. I can tell. Not that Google can give me. I don't want to get too far in, but like nothing, no lyrics have come up. And in fact, the first Google result says missing the word athlete. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no. Okay. Um, next word is barrel. Oh, there's got to be a barrel. Come on. Surely a barrel. Bob Dylan lyrics barrel. Uh, there's a song, something that came up that said. Billy one or Billy four. Okay. So yeah, that's, um, that's from Pat Garrett and Billy the kid. Okay. That's we're going to, at some point, listen to that soundtrack. We're going to do that okay, as a so, whole though. Okay. So not that one. Um, not that one. The, something came up that's called drifting too far from the shore, but I don't think the word barrels in it. It just came up for some reason. When, oh no barrel. Yeah. Okay. So drifting too far from the shore. Okay, so we can let's, we'll keep that one on the list. All right, we've here. gone too far. So next word, opposition. Yeah. Oh, I can't so actually do crazy. Google. Okay, what is the word? Opposition. 
No, there's no opposition. I am searching now. I'm here. I'm I'm alive. Oh, good, good, good. Okay, and then the next word is cluster. <laughs> uh, cluster. Okay, there's definitely no. Well, I wouldn't say there's no. I cluster. Didn't find anything. Okay, These are bad cluster. words. I gotta say. Yeah, let me just search like a normal word. Like, um, <laughs> I mean, I just want to make sure this is working. Everything just brings back nothing. I'm regenerating. Okay. The word percent. I've got five new words. Let's start again. So like the 70% Bob Dylan hour. Oh, right. Talking John Birch, Paranoid Blues. We did that. that I've got no percent. No percents. Okay. Um, well, that's wrong because John Birch Blues has okay. the word percent in it. So I know that's, that's not part of my text search. If it's, if it's one we've uh, already done, it's up there. Okay. Body. That's got to oh, be. Oh, God. Come on. Uh, something there is about you. That came up. Something there is about you, sure. Uh, hard rain's going to fall. Uh, I mean, bodies pretty much got... Uh, there's a million bodies. So, I mean, okay. that's one we can... We can come back to. What's the next one? Chip. As in, like, a potato chip or a computer chip. 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 We have one chip. Hmm. Okay, that's fun. Do uh, I, well, yeah. Okay, all right. That's a good one. To, well, let me make sure it's chip. Oh, I can't search that. Never mind. Who knows if that's uh, a real chip or it's like championship uh, or that's chip? But hmm. Yeah. Oh no, it is chip. You're right. Okay, no, that's fine. That one works. Okay. All right. Uh, what else? <laughs> application. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, what do you think? No. If I had to guess. No. There's no application. <laughs> All right. And then the last one is experienced, as in the past tense of experience. No. Okay. So um, we have two options. We can do the one chip one. That's not very fun. Or we do one of the bodies. But I don't know how to, like, delineate the body one because body is there's so many body. Mm-hmm. We could do, what, what do you want to do? Do you want to do the chip one or do you want to maybe pick a number and I go down? No, fuck it. Let's whatever. do the chip one, man. Listen, we got to do one? all the songs at some point. So let's just do the goddamn chip one. <laughs> let's do it. Okay. So this is Bob Dylan's snottiest song. Um, it might be his least fun song, um, but it kind of works. It's kind of like the antithesis of Simple Twist of Fate where he's a magnanimous, normal person. We're, next week, we're going to listen to Ballad in Plain D, where he pretty much eviscerates Suze and her family, uh, Susie and her family. So he goes to town. So I guess this is this will be our closeout of Susie. Right. We've had Boots of Spanish Leather. We get the great callback and simple twist of fate. And now we get to see the demise. And really, this kind of like sets us up for where they leave their relationship at and where these couple of years have gone between that and this. So actually, this would actually be a great one. So I think we'll talk more about Simple Twist of Fate in context next week with Ballad and Plain oh. D. So. God, the song is eight minutes long. That's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, and it's just Bob and, a, and, a, and his um, guitar. Just like, Kelly, it's been great uh, hanging out. Um, Bob Dylan was great. It was fun to see. Bob, we love Bob. Uh, happy birthday, Bob. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about your old girlfriend um, next time on the 70% Bob Dylan Hour. Yeah, the 70% of our chillin' hour. All right, see you, Kelly. Bye.
Okay, bye.